And so did you get enticed to apply for a, a future games after Sydney? At the time, um, they were starting to advertise. They said, yeah, the next Invictus Games will be 2020 in uh, The Hague, Netherlands. And I was like, do I or don't I? I thought I've had such an amazing experience. I could do it again, but I don't want to deny someone else off that you know, position or whatever. And again, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to that try it day, but this time I'm going to go as an an ex-competitor, you know, been to a previous games, I can offer out advice and help out the staff or whatever they need. And more just a chat, just to meet up with everybody again. So um, some of the team all decided, yeah, we'll all go to the same one so we can all see each other. And little did I know I was helping kids on row machines and telling them how, you know, this is how I row, how would you row, show me. And I kind of had that sort of lease of like, do I, don't I, I don't know, but I'll keep thinking about it. And I bumped into my rowing coach there, who was my rowing coach for Sydney. And um, she was like, well, did you get everything that you needed out of it? And I was like, well, I did. But the one thing that I still believe I want to work on is confidence. I always, um, I came back as if, yeah, I'm absolutely fine, you know, um, move on in life when actually I still found it hard to go to places without a friend without a buddy or meeting in a car park first to just to walk in but once I'm in I'm absolutely fine it's just those first few baby steps and they were like well why didn't you apply again then you know try and use this time round as confidence and offer advice to anybody that's newly applied so I was like well actually that does sound like a great idea but again I don't want to take a position that someone else might need more than me and they were like, you're not. You, this is, you've got to think about your recovery, not their recovery. If they, you know, want to apply, they can apply, you know. And I was like, actually, let's... She had logic reasoning, you know, and I was like, yeah, you are right. I'm just trying to talk myself out of it almost because I don't want to feel guilty of taking someone else's spot. And so I applied for the 2020 Games and did the same process, went to the training camps, and then it came to application time. And this time was slightly different. Okay. So on the application, it said, um, what are you applying for? Why do you want to do this and all of that? And I said, you know, I want to build my confidence and um, be able to sort of walk into a building on my own and actually say, you know, I can do this. And there was also a section saying, do you want to be vice-captain or captain? And I was like, oh, I've been told to consider it, but I always thought they were just messing about, you know, I never really took it seriously. So we had amazing captain and vice-captains for Sydney. They kept us all on our toes and in the right place and the right advice. And it got to a point and I was like, well, actually, if I do get selected and it is a second time, then why not? Why don't I just tick a box? I can always say no. I could always walk away of it and, you know, there's a pattern going on here. And, you know, become this yes person, you know, give it a go. Don't downplay your life. Don't say it's just a niggle. And, and I just thought, why not? And so I applied for the games. I ticked both boxes, vice and captain. I thought I'd give myself, I don't know, every opportunity to do whatever. I thought they can make the decision if they think I'm capable or not. And um, 
it again came round to selection time. And then it, I remember getting this email and I was at my sister's house with this one, sat on the uh, kitchen worktop. And um, we opened up the email and it said, uh, congratulations, you're going to uh, The Hague 2020. You're part of Team UK. And I was like, I've done it again. Nice. I'm, I'm going again. Holy moly, you know, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. And the only extra part I got on this one was um, we have also invited you for an interview to be considered for captain or vice captain. And I was like, an interview? What? And then I realised I ticked a box and that changes a lot of stuff. So I then got told I had to go for this interview to be considered for both roles because that's what I put down for. And, um, and I was just like, what do I say? What do I do? Never captained anything in my life. I was just a, a little SAC, you know, just putting plasters on people's boo-boos. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I remember going for this interview and annoyingly enough, I had an issue with my car the day before and it was completely broken down, couldn't drive it. So I had to um, get my dad to cancel a meeting of his to chauffeur me to London for a 20-minute interview <laughs> and then bring me all the way back whilst I was crying my eyes out because my car was broken and it was going to be a big bill. And um, But he's a good distraction, my dad, so he always, you know, there's always a joke or a dodgy radio channel that he has to have on in his car. And, um, yeah, I remember turning up for this interview and... They said, oh, you don't need to prepare, you know, just walk in, be yourself. And I was like, that's even harder. How are you supposed to be yourself? And I walked into this room and I realised my rowing coach is now the new boss of the team. Great, I know her, she knows me. And the Sydney captain was also in the room. And the head of the friends and family part, where I took my parents, was in the room, as well as... Um, another delegation member. And I was like, I know these people. This makes it a whole lot even harder because I can't even, not that I'll play on anything or lie, but they know who I am. So I didn't know whether that helped or hindered. And um, as all interviews, I luckily didn't make any jokes about cups of tea and adminers. <laughs> but um, I just said, I was just thought, just be open and honest and see where it goes. And I remember saying that I've never led anything in my life, you know, led a buffet line, that's about it. But, um, you know, I said, I've got the experience. I've got that medic mindset where I can, you know, have that caring atmosphere and help others to build on themselves and at the same time um, work on my confidence by actually approaching more people and getting out there more. And... And yeah, and it seemed to go okay. And I was like, oh, that seemed okay. Sort of trying not to doubt myself or criticise what I was saying. And um, I was trying to see who else was going in for interview because they did it at such time that you didn't really cross each other. But you sort of catch eyes in car parks. And you're like, oh, you're in a suit and you're at Tedworth House. That doesn't really happen. <laughs> you must be here for an interview. And, uh, and yeah, luckily I, I knew a few of the guys from the Sydney team that also applied. And um, and a couple of new ones as well who were new to Invictus Games. And, yeah, it was probably about an, an hour driving, hour into the drive home, I get a phone call. And I'm like, Dad, I think this is it. But it can't be this soon. They must be saying, 
you know, no to all the guys now and then everyone else will get told later or something, you know. It was, it was just too quick for a decision. And, yeah, I got a phone call from the um, chef de mission, who was my rowing coach for Sydney, saying, um, Rach, we want to offer you the position of captain. And I was like, you're joking. Are you absolutely sure you want me? And they're like, well, if you don't want it. Yeah. And I was like, of course I want it. I ticked the box, you know. Um, and yeah, and just like that, they said I'm the first female captain for Team UK that they've had in the four games that there's been. And yeah, you're not only going to The Hague, you're leading the whole entire team of 65 out there. Amazing. I was just like, wow. I was I was so in shock that they, I actually I just generally thought that I'll just go along, see how it goes, but little did I know that I would actually be in that position, and I, all like my dad kept saying was they obviously see something in you, yeah, that you don't see yet, absolutely, but it's gonna you're gonna build on it, yeah, yeah, but yeah. this would definitely help build your confidence, right? Definitely. First female team captain, yeah, of Team UK for the Invictus Games. Yeah. It's amazing when you say it, right? Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I believe it now because it's um, unfortunately with COVID, it's been delayed a few times. But, um, but yeah, to actually, like we had the announcement day, so we had to keep all of this a secret and we're under embargo for quite a while, a good month or so. And it was the hardest secret ever. Like you can tell your close family, so obviously my parents knew. But I was just like, I just want to shout it out. I want to say, look, this is where I've got to. You could be the next one, you know, let's gear each other up for it. And, yeah, you get to the announcement day in London. And that's when I thought, oh, I'm going to be the one front and centre in front of all these people with the world press in front of us. I hope you're good at interviews. <laughs> so I, was, I had to prepare speeches. Mm. I've never written a speech before. I had to get two ready. One for um, when we met with uh, Super, Super Dry, because they were one of our sponsors. Yeah. And um, and then again at the after dinner um, in front of like a couple hundred people all in like the circle tables that you get at a wedding for like 10 people on each. And I was like, I hope they have a microphone on a stand because I can't hold a speech and a microphone. <laughs> and it's all these True. little, little yeah. things that I kept going, oh, oh, did I say this? Have I mentioned this? Forgetting that they, of course, they know that I'm one-armed and, of course, they've prepped it all and sorted it all out and I haven't had to ask for my food to be chopped up. They've just done it all because they know me better than I know me. And, yeah, next minute I was on a stand after one of the MPs spoke, doing a speech to a few hundred people that I've never done in my life, talking about, you know, how we're going to get this amazing team successful at the Games and everyone, you know, achieving their goals. After that speech, did your confidence grow? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, if I've done this, I can do any speech. But uh, it's still nervous every time. Of course, and yeah. And you have to try and remember why you're doing it and who it's for and your, your um, sort of audience. But, um, but yeah, I thought, yeah, that's kind of done it. <laughs> and we've not even got to the games yet. No. So uh, originally they were supposed to be in May 2020. And we did all the training up until April uh, about, no, March, sorry. And that was obviously when COVID hit. So we had to stop training in March and we were about to, we literally did our last training sessions. We were prepared. We knew exactly what we we're going to do in our events. And 
yeah, we get told we can no longer train together, hold, wait out for information. And then the pandemic happened. And so the games were cancelled and we didn't know whether that was going to be cancelled for good, whether we've done all that prep for nothing, not for nothing, but, you know, for no games at the end, when realising that actually we've all improved so much just by having the training, you don't need the games. That's just like the cherry on the top. And, yeah, and we're just in this sort of limbo mode. And then next minute during... um between lockdown one and two, I think we get told it's been postponed. So it's still going ahead. We were like, thank goodness for that. You know, we really want to finish off what we started. And it was going to be um, May 21. And I was like, great, you know, we've got a year. I can finally get on a diet that I've been trying to do for the last so many years. And, um, and oh no, lockdown three. But the game's cancelled. No longer going. I was like, oh no. This has happened again. What on earth do I tell the team? What do I, how do I keep their motivation going? You just, you just have to learn that you, you need to rest and recover as much as everyone else does. Just have time for yourself. And that's all we've done as a team lately. It's just, you know, we had our own little training sessions. We're back on training now. But it gets to a point where you just need to stop everything and just let your bodies and your mind recover. So it's such a whirlwind of a journey. You need that time with your family because training does take over your life at times. And then we get told, oh, the games, they're back on again, third time lucky. And now um, it's looking really good this time. So it's going to be April 2022, but it's still going to be the 2020 games. And if you're um, like me and decide to get a tattoo and you put 2020 on it, it's a, uh, yeah, Bit of a funny joke at the moment. <laughs> so I've got, so my first ever tattoo when I went to Sydney, I said, oh, I'm going to get the Invictus tattoo. Everyone does it. It's like having Olympic rings, but in Invictus form. And I thought, well, this is my Olympics. Let's get a tattoo. And yeah, I've never had a tattoo before. My dad is kind of against them. He was like, what are you doing to your body? And I was like, but if I went to the Olympics, I'll have the rings. At least it means something. And he was fine. And then, yeah, I decided to get the Hague added with a little C for captain. And now the running joke is 2020, COVID happened. And so now the C stands for COVID in 2020. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, yeah, I'll, at first I was going to change it to uh, O-N-E with the last zero to make 2021. Okay. But now 2022 makes it a little bit more difficult. So yeah. I might just leave it as it is and it will just have to be a one of those things. One of those things. Yeah. I'm sure you can come up with something. Maybe put... The one there, and then cross both make of those a list. out. And, yeah, literally make a list. <laughs> or put an asterisk and put it somewhere else. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good chat. That's but, a good uh, chat. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think it's funny, but um, I like it. Like the only reason I wanted this tattoo is um, just to remind myself what I've achieved, and don't forget what you've done in life. Yeah. And if you have a bad day, just have a look and go, ah, oh, I am invincible. I am unconquered. You know, and I can do it. Yeah. You just got to get past this bad phase, and you'll get there. Would it be all right to take a picture of that later? Yeah, So sure. we can put it on the video so people can see it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, uh, and any suggestions? And any suggestions, yeah, yeah. of how to, I might, I don't know, I might do a bit of embellishment, maybe a background flag, I don't know. Don't know. We'll see. Get we'll your see. markers out. <laughs> but at the time that this episode, your episode, goes live, it's uh, six months out, right, from yep. the games? So hopefully um, it'll be shortly after 
we should be starting to train together as a team. We're looking at November time, um, repeating exactly what we did in 2019. So it'd be November to probably Feb, March time training and then a bit of recovery before getting ready for April games. That'd be great. So they're a month earlier this time, but um, but still going ahead. So that's still the main part, you know, we still get to finish what we started. Yeah. And if we can conquer our injuries, our illnesses, our mental, physical health and COVID, I think we can smash the rest of our lives. Exactly. And just, you know, keep doing the best we can. Yeah, and no doubt your confidence will grow and therefore Definitely. The, the aim of these games will, will be there and will be conquered. So Definitely. I wouldn't <laughs> have even done this interview if it was Sydney time. I would have just said, no, sorry, I'm not talking. Is, you that, know? is, that, is that true? Is that, yeah, yeah. yeah. On, okay. I did no talking, no storytelling or interviews or anything until I went to Sydney and... Obviously, what the media do like is, yes, you have medals. And so I was sort of put into a situation where, like, you don't have to, but it would be good. And I was like, why not? Let's have a moment where I don't moan about myself and someone actually praises me and I'm happy about it. And that's how I actually accepted talking about my story and I'm more open to it. And, yeah, the memories still come back, but now I see the positive sides. And, you know, just because I'm left-handed now... Yes, I can't do left-handed jokes anymore or make fun of any lefties because I am one. Yeah. But um, it's, yeah, it's just one of those where that's what helps and this open, opens me up every time I do it. So, yeah. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show for sure. Um, and also good luck to you and the team, Team UK, of course. Uh, the others, yeah, we wish you luck. But <laughs> obviously we're going to be rooting for Team UK um, at at The Hague. Uh, in 2022 so lastly uh your injury how how's that going it, is it kind of stable now um so it's still slowly got worse over time so it's sort of going up to the shoulder so you could probably see that that was a bit further forward and i it's sort of the whole arm now so i tend to have it on my lap quite a lot just to take the weight off my arm i can if i do move it it will tremor okay. so i just don't move it okay. <laughs> But um, it's got to a point where the team that I see, they have said it's a neurological disorder. There's nothing I can do about it. We've tried every specialist neurophysio treatment that works, inpatient, outpatient, and nothing has got it still um, progressed over time and got worse. So I've just, I'm at that point where I did ask for amputation, but they said, potentially that wouldn't work because it being nerve-related injury, it could affect my left arm. Okay. And so they don't want to risk me being no-armed than with one arm and a one arm that's on me, but I just don't have any physical use of it. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah, at the moment there's, I can't really do much with the right arm apart from just it just hangs there. And, um, and yeah, it's painful all the time, but, you know, right meds and the right attitude gets you a long way and just gets a cracking on my life now you know yeah. i know there's there's nothing that will get it better anymore we've tried it all and i think that's helps you know but it's just a case of um enjoying i'm still in my job now still i've worked there it'll be three years in august but i've worked at stanford hall and still love it still enjoy it 
still do sport for fun without criticising, and I've accepted I'm one-armed. So I'm very happy at the moment, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, well, I feel we've come to the end of the podcast and uh, you've shared so many, so many great things. Um, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to um, share some advice maybe for people that are, are contemplating joining the military sure. and, and obviously your experience within the RAF. Uh, do you have any advice for those people thinking of joining? Uh, yes. So if you do have, even if you have that thought, that means that you are looking into it. You know, you've, you've probably decided what service may be or you're not quite sure on what job. But the attitude I had, which I think worked, was give it a go. You can always leave. You know, just because you're signing a contract doesn't mean you have to play it out. You know, you can say, I want to leave. And give it a go, you know, it doesn't matter what your background is, your um, income, your family, you know, whether you've had a good upbringing, bad upbringing, it, it really caters for absolutely everyone. And I loved it. It definitely built me as an adult and it can really help you to grow up and enjoy life and have this new um, sort of military family. And yeah, yeah I'd say if you, even if you think about it, why not? What's stopping you from doing it? You know, it's have that attitude, give it a go and see where it takes you. Yeah, great advice. And also for veterans, so people that have maybe been out for a while or even people that are about to leave the military, any advice for them? I would say, um, yes, it might feel like your world is crushing down on you and you feel useless and hopeless and you've let people down in your life. But... Just remember that every small thing in life goes a long way. So the fact that you've woken up today, you've made your bed, you've brushed your teeth, you've done your hair, you've had a shave, you know, all of those are goals. Just because you maybe have lost your career or you don't have it or you can't work again, just try and think of all the small things in life and that will slowly build you there. You know, it just takes time. And yes, asking for help can feel like it's really hard to do or you don't want or you simply don't want to ask for help but you want you but you know you want that help yourself even if you just try and find a hobby it doesn't have to be sport like I did it could be absolutely anything and through that hobby you'll make a new friend and through that new friend you'll have extra support that maybe isn't within your four walls at home and it just might take your mind off your current situation and just try and think of all the positive things in every small goal of every day excellent advice very good S surprised myself eh? <laughs> <laughs> i need to listen to my own advice sometimes but uh but yeah give it a go that's all you can do and mm. try it if it doesn't work out you don't like it don't do it try something else yeah nothing's stopping you except you so just try and be brave take that little nudge forward See where it opens. Maybe you could listen back to this. Uh, I should. This episode later. <laughs> Be my ringtone. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> well, this has been great. Um, we we have come to the end, but how was it for you? Was it was it as you expected? Better. Better. Definitely. Oh, good. I didn't expect you know my room to be in such an awesome technological room. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. You've um, you know you put me at ease. I've opened up. 
I'm happy, I'm smiling. Great. And it was great to be part of. So thank you for allowing me to be part of this. Not a problem at all. And and I just want to thank you. So thank you for sharing everything you have and 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 also giving up some of your time. We don't have infinite amount of it, right? So <laughs> I, I, I just thank you for giving up some of that time for today. Thank you. And lastly, as I do say to all of my guests, thank you for your service. Thank you. People don't know how to respond to that from the bridge. Well, I'm like, oh, that's well, I like <laughs> it, but you know, you just think that is nice. You know, you don't you don't hear it enough. No, I think no. that's it, so. it. I think it definitely does its purpose. So definitely, it's a, it's a good way to to end such a great episode. So thank you much more, Rach. This has been Military Veterans Podcast. Out. <laughs>